With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Home Run Apple Sauce's minor league podcast. I am Steve Saipa, and I'm joined this week by Lucas Vlahos, Ken Levin, and Thomas Henderson. How's how's everyone doing this week? Good, good. Pretty good, I, yeah. I have a non-COVID respiratory infection. It's it's that time of year. Could be better, yeah. Well, at least it's not COVID. No. All right, so promote extend trade, and on today's date, back in 1985, so it's a while ago, the original Windows was released, and you know obviously that really uh, revolutionized PCs. Mm-hmm. So obviously over the years, you know Windows has changed, upgraded, and in certain cases <laughs> downgraded. Um, one of the things that have changed, though, is the startup noise that Windows has. So what Windows startup noises are we going to promote, extend, or trade? <laughs> this is a good one, Steve. All right. So first we have Windows uh, 3.1. It's just a ta-da noise. So this is what it sounds like. <laughs> everyone, everyone, everyone heard that loud and clear? Yes, yes. All right. Um, next we have the Windows 95 uh, chimes. So here is Windows 95. Are these all public domain, Steve? Yeah, yeah. We're not going to get sued. Don't worry. Okay, cool. <laughs> and if we are, eh, not our problem. <laughs> Jesus. And um, the last one is the Windows XP. That's it. Yeah, that's. I think given our ages, that one's gonna yep. run away with this. Mm-hmm. Mm. That one feels special. 
I'm you know, like the, uh, you know, like the, the the Vince McMahon meme where he's crying and he's like <laughs> special. <laughs> yeah. That's me when I heard that just now. Uh huh. That's, that's when I'm trading. Really? Yeah, Ooh. but I think I'm substantially older than all of you, so. Lucas, I, I know s- obviously. I gotta say, I'm only one year younger than Thomas, right? Yeah. Um. Ken, how old are you? You're like 32. Yeah, somewhere around there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, close enough. Beginning of the 30s. I gotta say, if I got to work, like I work by my own choice, so I shouldn't complain. But like I work some fucking absurd hours. If I'm on day four in a 75-hour week and I'm rolling into the office at 9.30 after working till 3 the previous evening, booting up my PC <laughs> and hearing those joyous fucking chimes from Windows 3.1, I'm throwing the computer out the window. I'm not happy to be here. You're not happy to be here. None of this, Nothing about this situation is a success as you would expect from that sound cue. That's where I think my age, my older age here is is coloring my perception because. All right. So when I was in school, in elementary school, we still had like computer labs because computers were like expensive also, and hard. So do I. I. Steve, you're not labs. that old. I still had that. OK, well, I'm just saying, but. And now imagine, you know, you go to the classroom, the computer classroom. And you have, you know, 30 to 35 students. So 30 to 35 computers are being turned on. And then just a cacophony of just that chiming sound. <laughs> nonstop. <laughs> just echoing through the through the just room. Echoing through the room. It's kind of beautiful. Yeah, it's like, it's like heaven. <sighs> it's so, it's way too happy. <laughs> well, the Tada is way too happy. Um, it's funny too because let's be honest who the hell actually hears these sounds anymore like who has their computer how many people have speakers on their computers how many people have their laptop speakers on when they turn the thing on or if they do they're probably looking around like shit sorry I didn't mute before I turned off and now I've disrupted everyone in this lecture or library as I've turned my my computer on <laughs> this really was like a specifically a desktop situation mm. like I have no idea what my laptop sounds like when I yeah turn I was about off. to say I, I think I have like Windows 10 or Windows 11 whatever I don't even know what the sound is I mean, I can play it for us right now, I guess. This is what – I'm assuming I have Windows 11 because it's the latest one. So, Here's Is your taskbar in the middle or on the left? It's on the left. So then you still have 10. Oh, okay. Well, this is what the 10 startup noise is. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay, I, yeah. It's, I do that. That's coming yeah. back to me. <laughs> yeah. And this well, is I, what they, I never listened to it, so. Yeah. I mean, my PC, my my desktop has speakers, but I almost never play the sound out of the speakers. Like, it's almost always coming out of my headset, which means when I turn the computer off, the audio output device is set to the headset, and the headset doesn't turn, is Bluetooth, so it doesn't turn on and connect to the PC until I've logged in. So I'd never hear the startup sound. 
Mm. Well, someone worked very hard to record that startup sound. I mean, what there if John is, Williams did this? Th- so funny you mentioned that. I wanted to, to plug this. There's an excellent – if you're into this sort of weird audio nuance stuff, there's a great podcast, 20,000 Hertz. Um, and I believe they did an episode on the Windows startup sound, like the history behind it and the various iterations thereof and <laughs> what their motivations behind it were, which was – I don't remember the details of it. I probably listened to it while walking Penny late one night and have since since my mind no longer retains useful information, have forgotten it all. But it was worth listening to, and it's a good podcast. So, Well, they are the number one Windows noise podcast. We are the number two then. Uh-huh. <laughs> that sounds good. number one Mets adjacent Windows uh-huh. podcast. Not adjacent, because yeah. we're more Mets than – we're Windows we we are definitely <laughs> we're definitely the number one Mets slash Windows podcast. Any Mac <laughs> users, stop listening now. Oh man, go double click out of here. Oh, you can't. Oh, you Ooh, can't right click. Oh, oh, should I leave or? <laughs> oh, Ken, you're killing me. <laughs> well, Th- Thomas and I have the the PC for gaming reasons. <clears throat> Or at least that's my primary reason for sticking with PC this long. Um, it's just easier. Yeah, I mean, I'd be running, I'd be running like Ubuntu if I wasn't playing games. Um, I will never go over to Apple. <laughs> well, last week we made enemies from everyone that lives in Syracuse, and this week we're making enemies of everyone that uses a Mac. Shout out that guy who added all of us with educational yeah, material <laughs> on the salt potato. That was great. I, yes. I really enjoyed that. The salt potato was indeed a snack that Irish immigrants who were working in the mines would uh, have, hence the Syracusean salt mm-hmm. potato. So even though everything we said was somewhat offensive and a bit of a read a bit of a stereotype, it was kind of right in the end. So was it was it actually <laughs> offensive? I don't think so. Uh, well, we only got good feedback, so. Mm-hmm. That's all that matters. We didn't get any angry Syracusians. That's not I don't right. know if that's the right denim or whatever, but we only got good feedback. And, you know, thank you to Eric Silverman, who is the one that uh, gave us the, the – who, who corrected us, basically. So Syracusian. You were close. You added one extra syllable, I think. Syracusean sounds better than Syracuse. It does. I agree with you. Yeah. On that topic, trying to, try, I don't know. I don't want to get too off topic, but I really mm-hmm. want to know. Someone from Utica, what are they called? Utikidian? You, you, from where? Utica. How do Utica. I spell that? U T I C A. Where the hell is Utica? Upstate New York and Greece. There's a Dunder Mifflin branch there. Yes, there is. <laughs> uh, let's see. Again, this... I guess. I don't know. Uh, the denonym is not coming up as quickly for me here, so I cannot give you a satisfactory answer. I apologize. All right. Well, it is what it is. All right. So um, first thing that we're going to talk about this week, news came out yesterday that the Mets are hiring Chris Gross 
to be the vice president of amateur scouting. Yeah. Um, but not really, though. No. He's been with the Astros for the past, like, 12 years. Uh, last four of them, he was their scouting director. Prior to that, he was their uh, coach supervisor from 2013 to 2015. He was their national supervisor 2016 to 2017. And domestic scouting supervisor from 2018 to 2019. Um, the, the, the use in the Astros farm system isn't very good right now. And... <laughs> Ironically, on my script, I accidentally wrote fart instead of farm, so uh-huh. they have a fart yeah. system. Yes, um, but that's because they've made a lot of trades recently. Uh, they got pinged and um, got their first and second draft picks taken away from them from the sign ceiling stuff a couple of years ago. And then just in general, you know, the Astros have been a really good team, so, you know, they've had later picks. But all that aside... Um, since Gross has been part of the Astros front office, the team has had 77 players graduate uh, from the draft to the majors, which is the most among all major league teams. And you know who's the worst among all major league teams? The Mets. The Mets. The Mets. They have graduated 30. The so Mets, and, and if I recall correctly, the Mets are actually pretty high. And if you do it by war, yeah, they that's... just have no depth. Yeah. And but that's because the thing. Like Pete Alonso's real good. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Brandon Yeah, exactly. Jeff McNeil. But that's something <clears throat> we've discussed in the past, though. You know, even though Steve Cohen is super rich and he's willing to uh, field a team that has a giant budget, you know, there's still plenty of utility in having all those marginal guys. You know, the the low leverage relievers, bench guys, the emergency starters, whatever, develop through your system so that you can concentrate your money and time and resources and everything else on like you know the actual free agents that do matter instead of those guys that you should be pulling up from you know your system and that is definitely something the Mets have not done they have developed some internal stars great you know Pete Alonso Brendan Nemo good examples but um you know Drew Smith is the best reliever they've developed lately wonderful yeah I mean, if we look at if we look at some of their recent drafts, and my understanding is that he's been very involved in the, like running this process. Last year, they took Drew Gilbert at 28. Gilbert's about to be a top 30 prospect a year later. Jacob Melton at 64. Uh, he might be a back end top 100 guy, probably more in the 100 to 150 range. They took Ryan Clifford in the 11th, a top 100 prospect. They took Zach Desenzo in the 12th. And turned him into a top hundred prospect, like totally revamped his swing. Go back to twenty twenty one, they didn't have first or second round picks, but they grabbed Chase McDermott in the fourth round and then traded him to Baltimore where he's now a I don't know if he's a top hundred guy, but he's gonna be a good starter. They got Spencer Argetti in the sixth, who I love. Uh you go back to twenty twenty, which is short. Uh, they didn't have a first round pick and whatever. Twenty twenty is weird. 2019, they had a couple good names. I mean, if you just keep going back further here, and they've consistently found value despite, you know, having the penalties you alluded to and picking low. Like, this is a nice get. Yeah. Um, Tommy Tannis, he's currently the Mets vice president of amateur and international scouting. So presumably his title is just going to get shortened to uh, international scouting, and his duties will be limited to just that. His um, title should get shortened to dismissed. <laughs> Whoa. 
but yeah, um, definitely a good a good get. Definitely a good hiring. Bodes yep. well for the future. <clears throat> Also believe he did work with uh, they did overlap in Houston for a Houston, time. That makes sense. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so they him. have worked together. I mean, the Astros have been to like ten thousand ALCSs in a row, and a lot of that is players who they graduated. It's just yep. that's the type of organization you want to be because when you could also spend the money that Cohen can spend on good play on free agents, that combination is really nice. So. Mm-hmm. And obviously, we talk about this every time there's a hire. It's really hard to parse out the individual contributions of anybody to these operations, both because there's big teams involved and we have no transparency into what's happening. Um, But from the evidence that we do have, this is a really nice hire and exactly the sort of name you want to see them bring in, which is encouraging given that some of the other names have been, I mean, on the coaching staff and elsewhere have been somewhat less encouraging so step into the world of power loyalty and luck i'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. Um, moving on now. This week, we're going to be looking at the Mets 40-man roster. Uh, deadline to add players to tender contracts was this past week. And the Mets... Oh, I have a hair in my mouth. The Mets currently have 27 players on the 40-man roster, having non-tendered a few days ago Luis Guillorme, Daniel Vogelbach, Jeff Brigham, Sam Coonrod, and Trevor Gott. And that is kind of silly. It's very I'm, funny. I'm shocked that they got rid of Gott. I don't know that it's the – I don't think it was wrong, but I'm shocked that they did it. 
Yeah, I mean, I that's a good sign of organizational growth. Guys. Yeah, because three years ago they traded for him, and they're like, "Well, we traded for him, so <laughs> we got to keep him." But mm-hmm. like, it obviously whatever they thought they could fix or find out about him, they didn't see it. So, and also Stearns didn't trade for him. Like, there's no connection. There's no reason Stearns didn't acquire him. So he might not think he's good anyway. Yep, there's that. Um, probably indicates they want to be pretty active, I would assume, mm-hmm. given that they have 13 open roster spots. Yeah, I mean, they had they have plenty of room. Even before they they, they non-tendered all those players, they still had plenty. Of, I think they had 32 spots on the 40-man roster. Mm-hmm. And they added a single player to the 40-man to protect them from the Rule 5 draft, Alexander Ramirez. That's it. No one else. Um, so what we're going to do this week is we're just going to look at all of the players who are eligible to be selected in this year's upcoming Rule 5 draft. And, you know, we're going to decide should they have been added to the 40 man and protected. And it's not really a situation where like, oh, geez, there's one spot open. We really need to be selective of who we pick. <laughs> Again, there's literally an entire team's worth practically of spots on the 40 man roster. Mm-hmm. So, um, just as a quick, I guess, um, refresher, the Rule 5 draft, which is going to be taking place in a couple of weeks, players who get signed at age 18 or younger, they need to be added to the 40-man roster within five seasons, and mm-hmm. players that are signed at age 19 or older need to be added to the 40-man roster within four seasons. And if they're not, they basically risk being taken by another team in the Rule 5 draft. Um, teams, you know, in you know descending order, whatever draft format, um, teams that want to pick an exposed player, they can. They pay a small fee, and that player is assigned to the team's 26-man roster. If they're removed before the season is over, then they go back to the original team if the original team wants them. Or they just get outrighted if the original team doesn't want them, which really must suck for their self-esteem. Uh, if it's someone that's injured, they can be put on the major league injured list, but they have to be active for at least three months. So, you know, that that prevents teams from stocking up on injured guys just to... I don't think um, I knew that. Yeah. There, yeah, there is a limit, so teams can't just... It makes just sense, because otherwise you could just take, like, six hurt guys right exactly you just take all the hurt guys you just put on the dl and then just oh figure out when they're healthy yep all right so i'm going to look over the list of all players who are eligible this year and we'll decide should they have been added or not first up right-handed pitcher matthew allen he didn't pitch this year he had tommy john surgery last year and then he was supposed to return this year but then he got ucl revision surgery which is basically tommy john part two should he have been added or no no one's taking him. No. I mean, this is the general shape of a guy that gets taken. Injured pitcher, stash him for a year, peek at the rehab, the rehab's going. But he's so far gone that I, I if someone takes him, good luck. I can't imagine that. someone taking no. him when there's other options you could do when he's been hurt for like two years. Like he hasn't Literally a better option than I'm sure we're about to talk about yeah. in the organization. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Matthew Allen last pitched 2019, and that was like 
20 innings at Brooklyn. (laughs) That's fucking depressing. Yeah. And Brooklyn when they were a short A team, not a high A team like they are now. God. Yeah. He got a number done on him for sure. All right. Next up is outfielder Carlos Cortez. He appeared in 18 games with Syracuse. And he hit 241, 355, 428 with 15 homers and three stolen bases. Begging on my hands and knees for someone to take Carlos Cortez. <laughs> please. Please. But he can throw with both arms and oh, catch cool. with both arms. Can't hit with either when of them. When was those. the last time he actually threw? <laughs> That's a good question. Long time. That is a good question, actually. But nah, they didn't need to keep him. Or gonna come back as an ambidextrous pitcher in indie ball in like three years. I would support that. If if that if that actually happened, I will totally get on the Carlos Cortez train. Hell, the Mets should do that with him now. Doesn't mm-hmm. have a hit his future as a hitter. I don't think he has a future as a pitcher either, but it'd be I mean, interesting. Yeah, his arm was not that great to begin with, so there's a reason he was a second baseman left fielder. Yep. All right, uh, next up is right-handed pitcher Robert Kalina. He appeared in 21 games this year between St. Lucie, Brooklyn, and Binghamton. Most of them were in Brooklyn. And he posted a cumulative 372 ERA in 67.2 innings with 67 hits allowed, 17 walks, and 82 strikeouts. I just don't think he's much of a threat to get taken. Agreed. I also just don't care if he gets taken. Sure, but... I think the thinking was like, might as well just see if he sneaks through, which likely will happen. Mm-hmm. All right, next up is right-handed pitcher Jeffrey Cologne, and he appeared in 17 games with Brooklyn, and he posted a 5.72 ERA in 61.1 innings, with 75 hits allowed, 22 walks, and 54 strikeouts. Mm-hmm. Not adding him. Nope. This is it's a rather bleak slate of players. You quickly see why they have so little forty man spots right now. Or <laughs> so many open forty man spots right now. Yes. Uh next up is outfielder Stanley Consuegra. <clears throat> he appeared in ninety three games with Brooklyn and he hit two thirty two, two ninety four, four eighty nine with twenty three home runs and six steals. Maybe, but who's taking a 230 hitter from Brooklyn? Right. Yep. That's. I, I would add him just because you could always remove him at some later point. It's similar well, to like the Alexander Ramirez situation. Like he he did pretty bad last season as well. But Ramirez is way much of a bigger name. Like obviously that doesn't really matter. Like name recognition, I guess it kind of does matter. But like Ramirez might get popped even though. Like and then you just don't want to deal with all that. Where right, it's it's a for the two of them. I feel like it's a floor or ceiling situation. No one is taking Alexander Ramirez. Let's agreed. <laughs> like I I think Consegra is the better player at this point, and I wouldn't have protected either of them. Now they could have just because they have so many spots and it doesn't right, matter. Right, that's but. that's a thing. That's what again. There's so there's there's like. 13, whatever it is, spots that why not? Because you could sure. always remove a guy at at some other feature point. 
Um, next is right-handed pitcher Coleman Crow, and he didn't actually pitch at the Mets. He had tummy John surgery in like late July, um, but he did post a 188 ERA in 24 innings over four starts when he was with Double A, the Double A Trash Pandas. Yes, I forgot they're the Trash Pandas. This is the one I don't understand. Um. I know he's not like an elite pitching prospect. He's going to miss all of next season. But the stuff is legitimately interesting. And now we're in the realm where he's close enough to the majors where a team will take him and injury stash him. The Mets have infinite spots on the 40 and very little in the way of actual pitching prospects in the organization. I, I don't I don't understand why they didn't protect him. Yeah, this is the one that was like a surprise. I expected Ramirez to get protected. This is, I expected him to get protected too. Like, I don't know. Maybe his medicals are just terrible. And that's very possible that he's cooked and it looks bad. But I'm more surprised, like you said, maybe less even on the stuff and the overall player itself, but more that the pitching that depth is so thin and you're going to expose just a a close to the majors prospect it's a little surprising but also chances are he just doesn't get taken and then nothing happens from this yeah that's what i would assume it's the rule five draft usually the implications are not significant but yep exactly i I still would have added him it's just curious yeah all right next up is right-handed pitcher brendan hardy he appeared in 24 games between St. Lucie, Brooklyn, and Binghamton. Majority of them were in Brooklyn this past season. And he posted a cumulative 180 ERA in 35 innings with 23 hits allowed, 13 walks, and 54 strikeouts. I'm fairly sure I didn't even include this guy on my list of Rule 5 eligible Mets when I put together the template for this year's AAOP. Good Lord, I can talk. So, no. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's a similar situation to, um, like we were saying before about Robert Kalina. It's like, the production is fine, good numbers, but I just don't see a team wanting to select him, you know, when there's a plethora of major league proven reliever, middle relievers that are always on the market every year. Plus guys in their own system, too. Yeah, it's just he's too far away. It's it's tough to stash a guy who played in high A for an entire season at the major league level without like ruining them <laughs> or them being like a su- super special prospect. And if they're that special, they'd already be this wouldn't even be a conversation, you know. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. Next is right handed pitcher Josh Hedgka, and he did not pitch this season. He had Tommy John last year. So, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. No reason to protect him <clears throat> next up is infielder jeremiah jackson he appeared in 119 games 82 with the trash pandas and then 37 with binghamton and he hit 252 328 450s a hole and then specifically with binghamton he hit 264 344 457 with seven home runs and six stolen bases he was acquired for literally Dominic Leone. Leone? I think it's Leone. 
Leone? No, it is okay. Leone. Okay. Dominic, whoever. <laughs> uh, he can't make contact in double A and doesn't have the defensive utility to be like a all defense gamble on long term gamble on a major league bench. I don't think I don't think he's rosterable. Yeah, I don't think he's gonna get claimed. Nope. All right. Next up is right handed pitcher Justin Justin Jarvis. He posted a five thirty one ERA in the season as a whole, splitting time between uh double A Biloxi, Triple A Nashville, and then Syracuse. Uh, majority of his innings came with the Biloxi Shuckers. He posted a 3.33 ERA in 75.2 innings there. And then with the Mets specifically, with Syracuse, he posted a an 8.04 ERA in 31.1 innings with 43 hits allowed, 22 walks, and 36 strikeouts. I am not whispering uh, Justin Jones. So... I know that David Stearns was not very involved with the Brewers last year, but it's a huge red flag to me that the Brewers traded him away to the Mets and then the Mets hired their president of baseball operations or their former <laughs> one. And then he immediately does not put him on the 40. Yep. Like, yikes. <laughs> also I mean, worth noting, those nice double A numbers are all tack ball. Yep, Exactly. So like you don't that, even need to you don't even need to get that far down the conspiracy rabbit hole with David Stearns and everything like that. It's just the numbers are just the stuff and the numbers are just not good. And the one time that he was good, it was with the sticky ball. Yep. Yeah. Um, just um, I don't think he gets claimed anyway, so it's fine. But damn, they traded Marcana for that. Like that, <laughs> kind of, that kind of sucks. I think uh, the funny thing is, I think they. Uh, the Brewers might have turned around and traded him for a better pitching prospect from the Tigers. Anyway. Yeah, from the Tigers. Then they <laughs> got yeah, is, probably. Just hilarious. Probably, um, yeah. It sucks. I I I don't want to like kill them too much for the trade. You're getting yeah. pretty marginal pieces in this sort of deal anyway, and yeah. judging things in the tack ball league was legitimately a challenge. Like I I I don't think it's funny. It's memeable. But I don't know that it's actually like uh, evidence of incompetence to to have misjudged the tack ball league because no one also, knew what the hell was like going Hannah on. Hannah was a superstar in the first no. half. Like he was no. he was legitimately good for Milwaukee. Like don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Like he really helped. And I think he's a good major league player. But it wasn't his best season in the first no. half of last year anyway. So I was happy to get whatever for him. Like don't get me wrong and. This- yeah. I hope Jarvis stays in the organization because maybe you put him in the bullpen and there's something else there, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't have put him on the 40 either. I mean, I, I, we don't know what those negotiations were like. I don't know if they chose like Jarvis over Caleb Ferguson, who was a name, like another flyery pitcher name that looks a bit better now. And I only bring that name up because it was someone I was aware of. I'm sure there were other names. The trade was totally defensible. It made sense. What's that? What's that? Uh, Picard line from Star Trek: "You can make no mistakes and still lose." Yep. All right. Next up is left-handed pitcher Daniel Juarez. He posted a 2.37 ERA in 57 innings, split between Brooklyn and Binghamton, and he allowed 35 hits, walked 18, and struck out 61. And most of those innings came in Binghamton where he had a 327 ERA in 41.1 innings. 
next. Yeah. yeah, again, it's like, okay, performance is solid, but I'm not worrying about another team taking this guy because there's just better players available. Uh, next is infielder William Lugo. He appeared in 106 games, all of them with Brooklyn, and he hit 237, 316, 385 with 11 homers and seven stolen bases. Not getting it. It's my 40. No, and you were you were the high man on him uh... last year. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm blaming the Brooklyn offense here, even though plenty of players who got promoted actually excelled in Brooklyn. But he's also still pretty young, 22, I think he was this year. So we'll see. Uh, next is outfielder Brandon McIlwain. He appeared in 128 games, 85 with Binghamton, and 43 with Syracuse. And he hit a cumulative 247, 356, 393 with 12 home runs and 20 stolen bases. Nah. Yeah. I would add Brendan McIlwain. Yeah, they have... They have so little upper minors outfield depth, so and, and I I kind of get it with him. Yeah, there are uh, things I, to like. Yeah, I don't necessarily yeah. disagree with that, but I think if you're thinking about it from a logical point of view, I don't see how many of the players we just named get claimed to be on a major league roster next year. So, yeah. You could have your cake and eat it, too, and have the open 40-man spot. Because yeah. if you just want to sneak them through and then you DFA the guy in two weeks, then they could just get claimed on waivers. And then there's no rule about having to return them, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, they could just get sent to the minor leagues. And it kind of... I would rather them get claimed on waivers than... I would rather them get taken in the Rule 5, almost, than getting claimed on waivers, because chances are they're coming back to you. Right, it's like but, a Daniel Nunez situation from a few years ago. He yeah, taken, and, but he's back. Yeah, and he just came right. It did because it actually couldn't cut it, and like understandably so because of where he was in his development cycle. So, I don't know. I just, I, I know why they did it because Stearns wants to put his own fingerprints all over the forty man, and also, it's not like the Mets were brimming with depth even after the good deadline. Like, they're they're system is good now but it's still very top heavy and we're going to have this conversation in a month when we do the 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 top 25 you know mm-hmm. i wonder i don't know how i'd feel about that i mean i'd finally find it fun maybe not the best from a team building perspective i mean i wonder if stearns wants to make a couple rule five picks given he has all of these i wouldn't be surprised i also trust his process in, you know, digging up some marginal guys to to steal from another organization. Yeah. Um, I mean, Baseball America does a great job of tracking these in their initial set. There are already a couple of guys I'd be interested in gambling on. So who knows? Maybe maybe that's coming. Who can say? I would assume that the Mets are going to make at least one pick because, again, there's just really so many... 40-man spots open. It's just... don't think the Brewers have ever been particularly active in Rule 5 under Stearns, but they've also had crowded 40s, generally. I mean, and he... Stearns did this exact same thing his first year in Milwaukee. He, like, Mm -hmm. cut half the 40 
So it's the it's best just, part of being like a fantasy owner and taking over a new team is cutting <laughs> all the stuff that you know you don't want. Yeah. All right, next up is right-handed pitcher Luis Moreno. He appeared in 26 games, uh, split between Binghamton and Syracuse, and he had a cumulative 492 ERA in 122.2 innings, most of them a Binghamton, with 121 hits allowed, 63 walks, and 122 strikeouts. Not my roster. No. Nope. Not for me either. All right, next is right-handed pitcher Eric Orzi. He appeared in 39 oh. games with the Syracuse Mets, and he had a 531 ERA in 61 innings with 52 hits allowed, 41 walks, and 81 strikeouts. And until I actually wrote everything down, I did not realize he was that wild. 41 walks in 61 yeah. innings. Is, yeah, yeah he really struggled last year. I'm... I'm very disappointed. Um, I almost like the Mets were shitty last year. I wish they had added him, given him his cup of coffee, and uh, then we could move on because I, I don't think he's gonna. I don't think he's gonna really stick anywhere. Um, I wouldn't add him now, but I, I wish they had given him like the courtesy experience. So. Yeah, I mean, if he was a little bit better, if you shave off one and run, if he had a 431 ERA, you know what? You could squint and say, all right, that's not great, but eh, let's see what happens. All right, uh, next is right-hand pitcher Hunter Parsons. He split the season between Binghamton and Syracuse. He appeared in 16 games for Binghamton and 21 for Syracuse. And he had a cumulative 4.82 ERA in 56 innings with 49 hits allowed, 27 walks, and 66 strikeouts. Nope. Nope. Nah. Our catcher Vincent Perozo. He appeared in 88 games for St. Lucie, and he hit 226, 322, 381 with eight home runs and one stolen base. Nope. Nope. I was a little intrigued by him at the start of the year. Yeah, he's he's definitely in that big pile of guys that kind of follow but don't have big expectations just yet. And he is only, I think, like 22 or 23. I don't even think he's 23, actually. I mean, he's still young. Catchers have non-linear <laughs> development progressions, so... Next is right-handed pitcher Jawilmi Ramirez, and he split the season between St. Lucie and Brooklyn. He threw 77 innings with St. Lucie and then 29.1 with Brooklyn, and he had a cumulative 508 ERA in 106.1 innings with 115 hits allowed, 33 walks, and 76 strikeouts. I did not know who this guy was until you started speaking. He was the 2022 ERA organizational leader, Lucas. Come on, man. Wow. <laughs> he had a like 0.56 ERA in 2022 with the DSL teams. And therefore, everyone was just like, what? Okay, sure. But, yeah, I mean, you know, DSL stats. 
the stuff is uh, pretty pedestrian. The numbers were not particularly great. And I don't think that you have to worry about any team taking him. So, Nah, probably not. All right, next is right-handed pitcher Wilkin Ramos. And he split the season between Brooklyn and Binghamton. Most of those innings came with Brooklyn. And he had a 250 ERA in 57.2 innings with 35 hits allowed, 37 walks, and 67 strikeouts. Solid performance, but again, I don't think anyone needs to worry about him being taken. Agreed. Yeah. All right, next is infielder Luke Ritter. And he split the season between Binghamton and Syracuse, 43 games at Brooklyn. Uh, excuse me, um, Binghamton and 64 Syracuse, and he hit 244, 372, 496 with 27 home runs and six stolen bases. And I think those 27 home runs led the minor league organization um, this past season. Maybe, but I don't think anyone's taken him. His shoulder also is fucked. Yeah, yeah that's a big thing. You're very much in that Orzy bucket. Should have gotten his call. Should have gotten the call, yeah. Yeah. He definitely, I'm sad he didn't get the call for sure because he was balling out. I think he would have. If, like, Percy was just too bad. And my my philosophy on these things is I don't care. Everyone gets a shot when the team is out of it. But Ritter was good enough for most orgs to get a chance. And then he just had the worst time shoulder injury imaginable. Yeah. All right, next is right-handed pitcher Junior Santos, and he spent the entire season in Binghamton, and he had a 594 ERA in 97 innings with 119 hits allowed, 41 walks, and 71 strikeouts. That's a yes, obviously, for Lucas. <laughs> noted, noted Junior Santos aficionado. <laughs> yep. I can't believe he's already up for the Rule 5. Like he, I can. He, he simultaneously feels 30 and 17. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's because of how long he's been around and how young he was, and it was such an outlier for the org. But I will be writing about you in the recaps next year as junior, I'm sure. Oh, God, I, I would assume I will never escape Junior Santos. Uh, I mean, they transitioned him into the bullpen like towards the end of last year in like August or something, and he's actually not that bad. So maybe he's found his niche. Who knows? Sure. Yeah, why not? Um, next is teammate of his, catcher Hayden Sanger, who also spent the entire year at Binghamton, and he had 188, 188, 307, 295 in 81 games with five home runs and no steals. Nope. No. Is it possible that they go into the season with only two catchers on the 40? Like, they'll probably have a couple guys in on non-roster deals or something, and maybe Nito's still kicking around in the system, but none of them are on the 40-man. That'd be interesting. Would be a possibility. I mean, I don't know. All right, next is right-handed pitcher Yoander Suarez, and he split the season between Brooklyn and Binghamton. He appeared in 21 games at Brooklyn and then three at the end of the year at Binghamton, and he had accumulated a 424 ERA in 108.1 innings 
with 86 hits allowed, 49 walks, and 137 strikeouts. He left out his seven-inning uh, no-hitter. Mm-hmm. Yes. He's interesting, but I don't think... It's yeah, his like, his is a tough call. Mm-hmm. I just don't think he's a threat to get claimed because he's too, yeah, he's too far away from being a major league player right now. Yeah, exactly. And his first half, maybe not first half, but first couple of months of the season were not really great. And but then you know the next couple of months were like exceptional. So. Yeah, I, I wouldn't, but he's one of the couple of handful of guys who kind of have to think about it. Yeah, like he has a curious case for sure. And I think if he was in just the higher levels of the organization, then. Yeah, it if it was if, if it was 21 games in Binghamton and three in yeah. Syracuse, that's a very different story. Exactly. But it's just when you're talking about Brooklyn and struggling when you first got there because he's coming back from injury, like, I don't know, it's just not worth it. Yep. Again, mine have protected him because of the lack of pitching depth in the open spots, but I don't think he gets taken. Yeah, because I think I think Stearns very clearly is valuing flexibility going into this offseason in terms of how he wants to build this roster. And he's willing to sacrifice the interesting cases that you could maybe put on the 40, but you don't have to really. Because mm-hmm. he doesn't have to. I don't think he. I don't think it matters much to him because he still wants to. He's trying to imprint the the AAA, the top of the forty, to try to win next year. You know, so it's he's looking at it that way probably. That's my read on it. I know, I know you've been down on the vibes for a bit, Thomas, and I think I've been slipping in that direction as well. But the fact that there's so much room on the forty is almost going to necessitate them doing some interesting good things i feel like so it's less that i'm down on the vibes and that i think he's not going to do anything or whatever it's more their margin for error is so small oh yeah there's it's like if they miss on yam i know now we're talking about the big leagues but if they miss on yamamoto like that's kind of it for pitching unless you go trade for corbin burns and extend him which you could definitely do but when the mets have the money that they have and you could just have the younger guy for money, then you should do that, you know? And obviously, they, they haven't missed on anyone really yet. Like, Nola resigned in Philly today, but he was that. I don't really want to give Aaron Nola $170 million anyway. So, no. like, I don't want to give Blake Snell that money either. Hell so I under, no. So, I understand that, like, it might not be Stearns' fault if Yamamoto just wants to be a on the West Coast or wants to be a Yankee or whatever the, the new thing is that every five minutes there's a new um <laughs> there's a new thing with a new leak because nobody really knows it's just it's silly season but i don't even uh, mean at the top though right it's so thin that they have sure yeah you're not literally wrong literally no depth like the, he's gonna have to build and he would have had to do this anyway yeah but I now he has that, to he's forced. right I there's a lot of uh, Shota Imanaga. There's also uh, a lot of no one cares about him whatsoever. <laughs> there's also a lot of in, there's a lot of curious possibilities they could do with like small trades, mm-hmm. like with to, with crowded teams. Like obviously they didn't do anything at the non-tender deadline that just passed, but that doesn't mean 
opportunities won't come up during the off season at the winter meetings or during the off season somewhere else where teams are trying to further clear out space, you know, that it's always going to be a thing. Mm. All right. Uh, three more guys here. Outfielder Joe Swazi. He played 29 games with Brooklyn, 30 with Binghamton, and 38 with Syracuse. And he hit a cumulative 270, 362, 382 with seven home runs and eight stolen bases. Low-key a little better than I thought he would ever be, but I would still yeah, same. Not, I would still also not have to rush, be rushing to put him on the 40. McIlwain no. way before Swazi. Oh, agree. 100%. I mean, the, the lowest level major league free agents that are available always are, you know, odds are going to give you better numbers than Swazi will, so... Uh, infielder Junior Talian, he appeared in 90 games, 57 with St. Lucie, and 33 with Brooklyn, and he hit a cumulative 243-325-406 with nine home runs and one stolen base. Don't think we need to worry there. No. And last one to my... recollection of things is right-handed pitcher Jordani Ventura and he also split the season with St. Lucie and Brooklyn. He had 54 innings in St. Lucie and 49 with Brooklyn and he posted a cumulative 481 ERA in 103 innings with 79 hits allowed 83 walks and 106 <laughs> strikeouts He had a so he was the he's coming back from a bunch of injuries he uh was a disaster in in St. Lucie. Fittingly, I traded him the second he got promoted to Brooklyn, and he popped off for two starts and walked like a combined two people over those starts. I'm like, great, I I just absolutely <laughs> blew it. And then he went right back to walk in the ballpark. I still think there's someone here, something here. Honestly, I think the stuff is potentially very good if he learns to get it anywhere near the zone. But there's no way anyone is taking this dude. Yeah. Well, I think the Mets are more than you've allowed hits in that amount of innings. That's impressive. Going through this, the Mets are in a funny spot where a lot of their interesting guys, you're like, well, it's kind of so abstract that you don't got to worry about them getting taken. So they probably are going to have their cake and eat it, too, and just be fine. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, most likely. But that just shows kind of how... Uh, how thin the, the actual yeah. depth of the system is. Like, yeah, it's, it's it's a good system, but it's not a thin... Uh, uh, it's a thin one. It's not very... It, it, it doesn't go super deep. Like, if they make a big trade this offseason and they gut the top of it again, it'll probably just go back to being a mediocre system. Which is obviously, if they get a guy like Juan Soto or whatever, it's fine. But, you know, like, that's just where we're at right now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, really much to do about nothing with most of these players not being added. Only a handful of the guys that we have been discussing. How many did it even? How many do we even have here? One, two, three, four. Five, Too many. 
6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26. So 26 players that just went over one or two if you squint. You could say, hmm, maybe. So I don't think we need to worry about losing anyone in the Rule 5 draft this year. No, probably not. I assume as we get closer to the actual draft, we'll have uh, get to talk about some of the interesting names out there. Yeah. Um, and there are a lot of spots to fill on this roster. I think you could do some interesting stuff. Yeah, there are definitely quite a few interesting names, and <laughs> there's certainly plenty of room on the roster to add some people. So yeah. we'll see. Um, Rule 5 draft is December 6th, I believe. Uh, it's the first week of December, whichever specific date it is. So, you know, about two weeks and we will definitely have the, you know, the week uh, before uh, some Rule 5 draft coverage. But that is our show for this week. And if anyone has any questions, comments, whatever, you could send us an email at our email address from complex to queens at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I'm at Steve Saipa. Lucas is at Elvahos343. Ken is at Ken1191. And Thomas is at ZedMetSeason, S-Z-N. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. Rate and review it. And, of course, we thank you for listening. And we are Patreon-based, so if you do like our podcast or any of the other ones that are in the Homer and Apple Network, you can subscribe for just $5 a month. So we will be back next week. And until then, love the Mets. Love the Mets.